If you are between the ages of four years old and first grade, you are excused to go to kids' club. Parents, if you need a nursery, it's available as well. As our little ones kind of depart us, uh, Pastor Ben will be back in the pulpit next week as he begins a series on the book of Exodus. Uh, Roy and I were talking with Pierce before they went on vacation, and uh, Pierce shared with us, I think, at the age of 13, he'd been in about 30 states. You know, I had to think about that. When I was 13, I think I'd been in three states. Iowa, we just kind of skipped across the border into Missouri to buy fireworks because you couldn't buy fireworks in Iowa. And I think Nebraska, as far as I'd been, was Omaha because we went to the stockyards to take cattle over there, so I got to go to Omaha. So that really wasn't too far into Nebraska. And then to see how many states that he's been in at 13, it's pretty, pretty impressive. You know, as you study the Bible, many people stand out to you as you look through the Bible, uh, whether you're doing a Bible study, whether you're sitting in a, uh, listen to a sermon or you're listening to somebody on the radio or whatever, there are certain characters in the Bible that seem to stand out to us. And you look at people like Adam and Eve and Moses and Ruth and Mary and minor prophets and major prophets and disciples and others that you just really like to get to heaven and just sit down on one of those benches made out of gold and just have a long discussion with them about their life here on earth and their ministry and the different things that they did. And just you have just so many questions that you would just think that you would like to share with them. But you know, if you go back and look at Revelation chapter 19, as I see the worship that we're doing in, in heaven there with God, and we see all the hallelujahs that are going on in uh, chapter 19, and we're in our glorified body, and we're in the presence of God. You know, I'm not so sure probably those interviews will probably much of a, be a priority for us to get those done. But you know what? we got eternity, so we probably got plenty of time to fit that in. However, if that opportunity would be available to me, I think Paul is the one that I'd really like to sit down and visit with. Paul is the author of the scripture that we're going to look into today. He is just one that, top of my list for biblical heroes that I would like to talk to. You know, as I study Paul's writings, he's just one of those that I just always felt he just really got it. He really understood what it was all about to be a Christian. I often refer to Paul in the New Testament as the Energizer Bunny. He was the Energizer Bunny to me because you read about Paul and he just kept going and going and going. He just didn't stop. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was in prison. He was rejected. But he just kept going for Christ. He was certainly in sync with our Savior, I think, and importance of how important it was for us all to know about the second coming of Jesus Christ. I've often thought God saw the need to have Paul in prison from time to time just to ensure the 14 books of the New Testament that he is credited with writing actually got done. If you think about Paul and you think about his life, he probably did some of his best writing while he was in prison. But what a loss that it would be to us if those books would never have been written. What a loss if we had not had those and all that Paul was doing was still going town to town proclaiming Jesus. But we know very good and well he'd be reaching people for sure. 
But if we look back over the many centuries and look at his writings, how many people have been ministered to by his writings? Today we're going to look into 2 Timothy chapter 3. Many people see Timothy on the pages of the New Testament thinking that Timothy wrote those two books, when actually these are letters from Paul to Timothy. In chapter 2, Paul had talked about being strong, suffering for God, and be approved by God as a workman for him. He tells us that the church is going to suffer in chapter 3. He talks about latter days. He talks about difficult times. And he talks about the fact, too, that there's more yet to come. If you would, follow along with me on the screen or your Bible or your electronic device. I think that Trish and I finally got synced up this morning on what this, the uh, slide should be. But uh, in chapter 2 of Timothy, chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 9, but understand this, that in the last days there will come a time of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sin and laid astray by various passions, always learn, learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janaeus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get far, very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that for those men. For those men, you know, in Paul's time, they felt that they were living in the last days. Many followers of Christ felt that when he ascended into heaven, that he would just really make fast work of making a place for them, and he'd be right back to get them. It's not on the slide, but those followers remembered him saying in John chapter 14, verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Now remember, these are the followers that had watched him raise the dead. He had healed the sick. He turned water into wine, caused the blind to see. He had fed the 5,000 and many other miracles that he did in his ministry. They probably thought, well, he'd ascend to heaven, make a place for us real quick. Then he'd be right back in real short order because they had seen what he could do. I doubt that any of the followers in Paul's time thought that in 2022 it would roll around and Jesus still had not returned for his own. I don't think Paul himself thought that Jesus would tarry this long either. But as we read in verse 
2 through 4 of the scripture this morning, did you have any trouble applying it to our present day world? I don't think so. It probably wasn't too difficult to think of something for every sin and evil that you saw there in those verses. Thing is, they all existed in Paul's time as well. I said about chapter 2, he talked about suffering and dying for Christ. It's not hard to see rebellion against God will reach new heights. It seems as a young man for me, even though there was people that didn't believe in God, they didn't believe in the church, but they were respectful of what we believe and seemed to leave us alone. We don't see that today as respect for God. The Bible, the church, and God's people, they're less and less tolerant of us, are they not? Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and to test him. They asked him to show them signs from heaven. He asked them, when is it evening? You say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adultery generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them, and he departed. Now Jesus shared this about 35 years before Paul's writing. In verse 3, Jesus is saying that they aren't able to interpret the signs of the time. They were blind to the fact that the Messiah was absolutely in their midst, and they didn't know it. They ignored it. The sign of Jonah is the scripture, is really a metaphor or symbolic of Jonah's time that he spent in the well, whale. As he spent three days in a whale and he lived and he was spit out on dry land, Jesus would spend three days in the tomb and he would rise from the dead. Paul saw the need to warn Timothy and he saw the need to warn us as well for the impending dangers and these signs. Paul wanted to prevent Timothy from falling into discouragement and despair. Paul understood the times of spiritual stress shouldn't involve a sense of defeat, but it rather should be of hope. Throughout history, at certain times when social structures break down, these evils that he had listed, they ran rampant in the world, as we see them rampant in the world today. I don't know how many of you deal with allergies, but I'll tell you. I have not had a good spring. Verse 5, he reminded us of having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Their practices, their vocabulary, their goals in life showed that they denied the power of the true godliness. Paul says, avoid such people. Don't have anything to do with them. It's unfortunate that those existing in the church today, there are those that describe themselves as professing Christians. Some may be leaders, 
Some may teach. They aren't passive about it. They're active in the church. But their religion is just an empty shell. And they have no genuine walk with Jesus Christ. They talk a good line. They have a good front. But in their motives or relationships, they're not godly people at all. It's unfortunate that the weak are ready to listen to any teaching things. And they think that it could bring them contentment, but only to be deceived and not coming to a knowledge of the truth that we see in verse 7. Truth for Paul was salvation in Jesus Christ. And he was concerned about the false teachers leading people away from Jesus. But if you go back in verse chapter 6, Paul says, For among them are those who creep into the households and capture weak women, burdened with sin, lead astray by various passions. Now, before the ladies... Bible study group storms the stage and hurts me. Let me explain. If you want to attack and destroy the family, through women is a key place to attack. Ladies, you play such a key role in the family structure. You are the power source that makes the family engine go. Tough men that have been in battle, as they are dying, they either call out for their God or they call out for their mom. It's been proven over and over. What an impact in their lives that she had to be, that as they died, they called out for her. We see in our society that the family is definitely under attack. If you can break that unit, and make that unit dysfunctional, you are well on your way to destroying it. A church leader once said, as the family goes, so shall the nation go. Guard your families from those evils that may sneak in and try to destroy it. I'm going to touch real quickly on verse 8, but as I said earlier, Pastor Ben is going to lead us through Exodus. In the next series... So we're just going to visit real quickly Exodus chapter 7. And in that chapter that has Moses and Aaron before Pharaoh. Pharaoh had his magicians casting down a staff to have it become a snake. Those magicians were never ever named in the Old Testament. You can go through the Old Testament, their names are never given. But in later literature that Paul had access to, they are named, and I said them a moment ago, Janess and Jambres. Ben, I won't go any farther. I won't get too far into Exodus because I know that's where you're going in the next series. <clears throat> but know that these two men, they opposed the truth. They had corrupt minds and disqualified regarding the faith of the true God. So that's why Paul is calling them out for what they really were. Timothy observed firsthand Paul's steadfastness in these times. 
Along with Paul, he went to towns to be proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. And as I said earlier, only to be stoned and to be beaten, ridiculed and often thrown in prison. I'm sure every time that Paul said, okay, it's time to go to the next town, I'm sure Timothy under his breath was thinking, what? Go get all beat up again? But they did. Faith in Jesus at that time was despised. And followers faced heavy persecution because Christian faith at that time was a very small ministry of a very hostile world. Here in the upper Midwest, we don't see that much. But around the world, Christians are dying. They're being persecuted for their faith, just as in Paul's time. You know, I took two seminary classes uh, that were called Literature of the Old Testament, and the other one was called Literature of the New Testament. I'd heard good things about that professor in those classes. I found the first class so interesting that I went back in to sign up for the second class. And my advisor said to me, well, you've got enough humanities credits, and your GI Bill won't pay for it, so you can't take it. I said, well, I want to take it, and I'll pay for it. Both classes didn't focus too much on literature, but they focused on the times. The professor helped you understand what was happening in the world at the time that that scripture was written. Example in 66 AD, who was in power? Who was the evil leader? Who was the good leader? Who was the evil king? Who was the good king? How were the people living? What the politics of the day and time were? Family issues that were going on. To get a perspective of what was going on in the world. It gave me such a good understanding of what Paul and Timothy had to face as they went from town to town to minister to the people. But you know that professor shared three things about Paul and what he gave Timothy for guidance from verses chapter verse 10 and 17. So we're going to read those scriptures. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. With persecutions I I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who deserve to live in godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. 
that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So what were the three things that Paul pointed out to Timothy in these scriptures? Number one, he learned the truth of the gospel from Paul teaching and his example, just as we have. Number two, he had made a commitment of faith to Jesus Christ, just as we had. And number three, Timothy had the help of the sacred scriptures, which we would assume are the Old Testament. The things that Paul described in chapter 3, those things are popular and they are prosperous in our world today, are they not? Do you have trouble watching the news sometimes? I do. Do you turn the radio off sometimes? I do. Do you put the newspaper down sometimes? Yes, I do. Do you see a world that makes you despair in these days and times that we live? Easy to do. Sometimes our discouragements make us think that our church is just absolutely powerless as we see these things going on in the world. We just seem to keep going from bad to worse. You know, my job puts me in many churches in the course of a month's time. And as the funeral's going on, I really don't have anything to do. So I kind of wander around, I look at their literature racks, I look at their bulletin boards, I read things that they have around the churches. Churches seem to focus so much now on putting on a production rather than proclaiming the Word of God. Many churches appear to be godly, but inwardly they have let sin creep in their doors and they have become impotent because of it. Some ignore certain parts of the Scriptures that they often feel aren't aligned with what their lifestyle is or what they want to believe. Some have actually rewritten the Bible and removed the parts that they disagree with. Others just take Scripture out of context, they twist it, and they fit it for what they want it to be. You go to the book of Revelation, it was written by John sometime in 90-95 A.D., we believe. Several years after Paul's letters to Timothy were written, As Paul talked about latter-day things, we know that John was allowed to see actual latter-day things. Now, many scholars have argued that John saw things just as they saw him in a dream. Or perhaps maybe he was put in a trance. But if you study the book of Revelation very closely, it seems pretty apparent that God allowed John to actually see these things. As Paul strived to encourage Timothy in these very troubled times, John also encouraged us to live in the last days the fact that in the end, we win. In Revelations chapter 22, verses 10 through 12, it's highlighted in my Bible that the top of those two verses, it says the final message. And that final message is, he said to me, do not seal up the books of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. Let the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And let the one who is holy 
still keep himself holy. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And if you skip on to verse 20 in that scripture, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Christians, we need to remember that he is coming. As I watch this sinful, evil world, I often think that last part of verse 20 over and over. Come, Lord Jesus, come and please come quickly. When it happens, we know that the dead in Christ shall be raised and those of us that still live will be gathered up with him. The things of this earth will pass away. Paul's reminding us the success of evil, these evil ones in the world, it's limited and it's only temporary. Just as the magicians of Moses' time, their impotency became very apparent. So will be the folly of men who have opposed the truth. Paul believed that this precious truth will prevail in perilous times and falsehoods will be exposed. Paul knew that all that he had listed to us in verse 2 through 4, they're here and they're getting worse. But let us remember too the assurance we have in Revelations chapter 22 to be steadfast like Paul because in the end, Christians, we need to remember we win. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us as you do. Thank you for the blessings that you give us each and every day. Even though our world seems so out of kelter, we need to remember that you do bless us each and every day. Thank you for allowing us to live in a nation that we can still openly share about you. Help us in these times to be like Paul, steadfast in the faith. Let us remember as we labor for you that by doing so in the end we win and we get to spend eternity with you. We struggle, Lord, with why you seem to tarry. Give us the strength in these troubled times to share the truth despite the cost. Help us to remember, Lord, to pray for those that are not ready for Christ's return. John chapter 4, 35, you said the fields are white unto harvest. Lord, give us a desire as steadfast Christians to help with that harvest. We ask in your name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.